Welcome to episode 42 of the Digital Fabrication Experiment, a podcast about all things CNC. I'm Winston Moy, and I'm joined by my enthusiastic co-hosts, Eddie Kramer and Chris Lee. We're hobby machinists, and we'd like to bring you into our conversations about life in the shop and topics in making. Eddie and Chris, it feels like forever since we've talked. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Uh, how about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, I missed last week's podcast, but I did listen to it, and Sammy was such a great guest. Uh, it's good to be back on. I felt a little weird missing a week there. Well, I think you had a good excuse. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what you've been doing the last week or yes. two weeks? Yeah, so uh, I finally moved out of that apartment, and my CNC now lives in an actual two-car garage. So I have a place to do all my nonsense instead of trying to mill in the living room while trying to eat dinner. So really excited about that. Um, don't have to worry about noise pollution or anything. I can just machine all night and not worry about bothering anybody. So super excited to get all that set up and get that going. But uh, it's been it's been super, super fun to finally get to like have a space, you know, like that's the biggest uh, or short term dream of mine was to have a space to do all that stuff. So. Are you still moving in or are you um, at the point where you're making parts now? Still still moving in. There's still a lot to do. Uh, I'm still unpacking, actually, because we just moved in last that last Sunday that you guys recorded. So it's only been, I think, about a week and it's some change. Um, there's a lot to do when you move into a house. So oh, we're, yeah. kind of, we're kind of piecing through it and getting things ready. We did a little bit of painting, uh, cleaning and, and setting up things. So we're working our way around. Do you have a uh, a shopping list of things you're going to buy for the garage? Oh, yeah. My shopping list is like infinite pretty much. <laughs> I want to buy everything. But I need to figure out what I want to do with that space in the, in the short term and then see how I want to evolve. Because I've always wanted to do woodworking, but I've never had the place to do it. And now that I do, I'm thinking, should I split the garage up into two parts? Should I do CNC and metal stuff on the right and then do woodworking on the left? Um, the other problem is I also have a motorcycle and I've been wanting to work on that as well. Uh, not only just make parts, but also just to wrench on it a little bit. So I need to carve out a little bit of room for that. And then, um, I have another motorcycle coming in in like two months. So I have to make room for that. And pretty much all the space is going to be spoken for if I go that route, but I'm not sure yet what I, what I want to do. There's a whole lot of ideas floating around my head right now. So, uh, well, it's all up, up in the air. The good thing about the, the woodworking setup most of the time you can put stuff on rolling workbenches and like larger tools uh, either have their own wheels or like you can put them on a cart or you can usually make them move so um, if you dedicate one side to machine shop stuff and you just like you're probably not going to move like a drill press if you get one or something or your workbench of cncs but a workbench for woodworking or like if you have a little uh router table or something like those can all move so i mean all of your your different passions can all coexist if you're creative about it yeah I, that was actually the thing is like modular was kind of the key theme for me i think everything on rollers is crucial even the uh, motorcycle stand that i found it's basically like a dolly and you you roll your bike onto it and then you latch it up and it, you can push it around like it's on a set of rollers. So that way, any anytime I open the garage, I can basically move all the stuff out that I don't want, move everything into place that I'm going to be working on. And that's that's kind of like my idea, but I'm still kind of searching uh, the internet and trying to get see how other people have set up their garages and stuff. I, I haven't seen anybody that's done both. Usually it's like a metal worker or a wood shop, but I haven't seen anybody that, that crossover and does both. I don't know if you guys know anybody. You, you need to keep those two kind of separate because um, they have very different kinds of messes. Woodworking, you got sawdust and like all the particulates in the air. Uh, the big thing about metalworking is if you're grinding, you want to keep that separate from the woodworking because if you have any sparks, <laughs> sawdust is combustible. Um, so you got to have uh, shop hygiene in mind when you figure out the layout. Yeah, uh, you know, vacuums and all that stuff is definitely in my mind. Um, you know, the water heater's in there. It's got a pilot light, so I can't do ethanol coolant, <laughs> right? I want to do the alcohol stuff. So if I do that, I have to make sure my uh, my vacuum hose or whatever to suck out the air is going to be legit. I can't have that misting over there and exploding on me. Or even just sawdust. Right, right. So that's the thing. Maybe it's not, it's not possible. Maybe I just got to pick one. I mean, if you are 
truly serious about your dust collection, I think you can manage it, because, like, I will work around my Shapoko cutting MDF without a respirator because I trust that vacuum and that HEPA filter enough. Um, so it depends on what you're doing, but uh, kind of hard to, to enclose certain tools. Miter saw and, like, planer, table saw, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, you know how, um, I think Eddie was thinking about it too, like, you get those really heavy plastic, like, I'm, not, I'm blanking on the term. Vinyl uh, curtains. Vinyl curtains. There you go. Yeah. And like if I sectioned off where I needed it to be, then a, the vinyl curtains might do a decent enough job of keeping sawdust in that one section or at least partitioned for me. And then if there's a way for me to put the vinyl curtains on a roller, um, kind of like those like hanging barn doors, I can slide it out of the way when I don't need it. And I can slide it back in when it's time to like keep stuff in check. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that's in my head. I'm, I'm not sure yet, but so, uh, what kind of power do you have in the garage? You have 220. So I do have 220, but I, I'm thinking I need an electrician to come out to make sure everything is copacetic. The previous tenants, uh, like I'm not exactly sure. I trust a lot of the things that they did. I, I started <laughs> noticing a lot of weird stuff. So, um, yeah. uh, electrician coming out and making sure everything's legit first is definitely the first step. I, um, I got all excited because I, I don't know how I missed this because I've looked at my breaker panel like a hundred times. The electrician was out here, you know, when they wired up the garage and I think we both missed it. There's actually have a spare uh, 110 volt circuit with the breaker in it, but nothing connected to it. That I didn't even realize was in there. So it's like, uh, I'm good on 220, but I might need like to split up some of my 110 in the garage because um, the air conditioner and all that stuff that's on there. So that's kind of cool to know that it's there. I need it, but, uh, right. but yeah, I'd like if you got DIY wiring in there, I'd, I'd be like, especially on 220, I'd be, yeah, I'd get someone to look at that. Yeah. You don't, yeah. The 220 would really just be for like a compressor or, well, of course, if you don't have a big machine, you don't need a compressor in there either. Not a yeah. big one. But, um, yeah, I've just been eyeing the California air tools that, yeah. that one with the cabinet, uh, they claim 40 decibels, which is pretty quiet, I think. So. Yeah, get the one that has the dryer, though. Yeah, you know right, what I'm right. saying. Yeah, if, yeah. I kind of yeah. wish I if Home Depot had sold that, I would have bought that. Um, they they sold the they sell the cabinet one, but it didn't have the dryer. They probably could have special order. I probably should ask them, but but uh, I had like pretty good credits there, so I wanted to buy it at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. But the the one I have without the cabinets, it's louder than I want but it's not going to be bad it's like more than tolerable right it's, and it's a lot quieter than any other compressor i've ever run but um, right. yeah you i think should, the, like uh, said, the ones you should also consider how you're going to be working uh because in a machine shop like even with the neo i'm sure you'll want to have your protection on and if you get something with oh, yeah. uh, active noise cancellation the uh the compressor gets pretty quiet um because it's like a, a fixed yeah. steady hum so it may not be as bad as you think um I have yeah. been pretty happy like at the Carbide 3D shop with like truly consumer grade stuff. So I used to have a Sony like WH900s and I just switched to AirPod Pros and uh, they have been doing a remarkable job of making the shop super bearable. Is it worth the price tag? <clears throat> um if you are invested in the Apple ecosystem, you have an iPhone, I would say yes. Like, they work really well. The only thing I wish was a little better was the um, battery life. It's like four, four and a half hours with noise cancellation. So if you're like, you work from like eight o'clock till lunchtime, you charge them, you come back, and that'll get you through the rest of the day. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, like, they have the sound quality is like, it's up there. It's uh, okay. Um, at least 70th percentile. Um, the active noise cancellation is really good for like HVAC frequencies. And uh, when I walked outside with them, uh, I was like truly fearful because they make cars sound like almost nothing. So it's like, like it would be <laughs> ridiculously dangerous to walk outside with these things. Um, but like just in the shop, they, they work fantastic. Yeah. I always, I always wear uh hearing protection even in the inside shop but um yeah it's just like it's not so much me i worry about it's just make sure the neighbors don't hear it so it's definitely quiet enough i don't think that's gonna be a problem that's gonna be the loudest pretty sure that's gonna be the loudest thing in my shop i'll know uh once i get the vacuum pump fired up that could be i think that'll be loud part of the time but not all the time um 
yeah, and I'm kind of curious, like just how frequently the compressor will be running with the Neo. It's such a air hog. We will see. Hmm. So, who knows, Chris? In a couple of months, we may have a compressor to sell you <laughs> as I upgrade. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can't speak in highly about or more highly than California Air Tools. Like that little like hundred dollar compressor, I've just been running it for like twelve hours a session, and that thing is still kicking, and I don't even know how it's supposed. Even their tech guy was like, it should have broken down by now, but uh, it's still going, and, and it's lasted longer than the gas, all three gas pumps that I had to go through. Um, so yeah. I'm I'm really happy with it. That's good. I hope mine's going to be reliable. I think um, I I won't have any problems with it unless it just can't keep up with the machine. Then I'll have to kind of go up to the next higher capacity or something. Actually, I think I had the biggest that they make, um, so I have to go to something else. We'll see. Hmm. but it should work I, I think it's the same one that Daytron runs the Neo on at the sh trade shows um, I, know, I think I saw California oh there, yeah so. yeah I remember that yeah, yeah I remember so that. I'm pretty sure it'll be fine as long as I don't do anything stupid with the, the airlines and make a restriction or something but but uh, I'll be finding all that out pretty soon because uh, Neo's going to be here soon nice isn't yeah, that like next week yeah, so it's going to ship at the end of the month. So there was um, it was supposed to ship on the seventeenth, but the vacuum pump, like I ordered a hundred and ten volt vacuum pump, they normally ship with the four hundred volt, just like the Neo, right? So mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a special order from Bush, I think, or Bausch. I can't remember who makes it, but uh, so that that's supposed to be arriving last week in okay. February. Then that's that's the last thing they're waiting on. Then they put it all and ship it to the riggers. Here in San Antonio, so um, so you did find riggers. Yes, um, I'm waiting on the quote for the the ones like I found one that has a warehouse in San Antonio. That was like the main. I didn't look like the other ones I talked to. The closest warehouse was either in Houston or Dallas, and I want it delivered to the riggers and then brought out here on their truck. Mm -hmm. But uh, finally found one that uh, has a warehouse in San Antonio and actually does uh, work for my old employer. So I got good references from them and everything. So just waiting to see if their, the price is reasonable and I expect it probably will be. Yeah. They were out here today looking at the, doing a site visit and got the, uh, little blue outline where the machine's going to go. It's like, it's funny how small it looks in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, the, I mean, you know, the month's almost up. I mean, you have like two more weeks and then it's, then it's here. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, Dan's going to be coming to do the, the, uh, provisioning or commissioning, whatever they call it, commissioning. So I'm guessing probably like first week in August till, or first week in March, he'll be here. Nice. Assuming his schedule allows. Yeah. So what do fun. you, two questions about the garage setup. Like what are you doing for lighting and also for, uh, insulation? Oh. Uh, so lighting, uh, I just put that in last weekend or last week. I went with led lights from, um, home Depot. Mm -hmm. They're actually, I think I spent less than $200 for my whole lighting solution in there. I kind of made like a, about two, uh, two foot panels and one four foot panel. And I had them set up like in a T shape above the machine. Okay. And yeah, man, they're bright. It's like that it was better than I was expecting on the lighting. Okay. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm not done yet. Um, so once I get the Neo in, I set up my workbench where I want it. I have like the eight foot workbench and, uh, just kind of get the layout finalized i'll put in the last uh, i'll put in another four foot panel right over the workbench um kind of at the other end of the garage and that, that'll be it and i went with like plug-in because i have a uh, 110 panels or power outlet receptacles in the in the ceiling in my garage so it's easy just to wire this up um you know just basically plug-in versus hardwired mm -hmm. it's yeah. probably yeah, i think too late to uh to suggest anything but um, I would take like a, a slow-mo video, like on your phone and just play it back. Make sure there's no flicker, uh, because yeah, those I, things are hit or miss. Yeah. I'll check that out. That's a good point. Um, yeah, usually I run into problems with the dimming ones. Like if they're at full bright, they're usually not too bad, but I'll see how these go. Uh, at least the lights I've put in machines have been that way. Uh, wait, Winston, aren't you doing something with LEDs as well? Hey, uh, yeah. So I, um, I don't know if you guys watch DIY perks, but he's a, the British dude who like does all sorts of well DIY projects, and one of the things he made was um, 
uh, custom like LED strips and whatnot. So he has uh, made a bunch of projects and he has uh, experimentally determined like what the uh, like a good set of um, highly color accurate LEDs is and what kind of dimming circuit you should use. And uh, doing a bit of research myself, I found out that most consumer lights uh, use a dimmer of around like between like 400 hertz to 1000 hertz. And at those frequencies, uh, when your shutter speed is high enough, you can still get like basically sampling error with when the lights are on and when they're off. And so that's mainly what causes flickering. And if the uh, flicker of the lights is close to your um, shutter speed, then you start to get banding. If it's uh, really mismatched, then you get like strobing effects. And so he suggested a PWM dimming circuit that runs at 10,000 hertz, um, which should put me above any um, uh, basically uh, frame rate artifacts. So I've been uh, setting up two two-foot panels with uh, six LED strips each, two different colors, with two dimming circuits. So it's going to be like one of those uh, video light panels where you can choose like a warm white or a, a bright white. And uh, hopefully those will be operational. Well, I can probably wire them up by the end of the week, but um, I, I've been looking at these panels and they just, I kind of want to put a diffuser on the front. And if I do that, I kind of need a bezel to hold the diffuser panel in front of the LEDs. And I've been trying to figure out how do I make the bezel? Cause you kind of need like a C channel extrusion type thing. Um, and I can't mill it efficiently. Um, and that's, that's led me down a really dark path, which we can talk about <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, send me that link later. Maybe we can link it in the show notes. Cause I like to watch that, uh, that setup. Yeah, we will do. Um, and what about the insulation, Eddie? Cause that was my next thing. Yeah. So, um, other than like the vinyl curtains, which aren't really insulation, but should help keep the like just one side of the, the garage is air conditioned. So I don't do the whole 800 square feet. Um, mm -hmm. I still need to do the panels on the garage door. So I have two, like it's a two bay garage with separate doors. So I'll like probably the, the, the rest of the garage is already insulated. Like the outer walls insulated, the ceilings insulated. Um, and then the other two walls are against the inside of the house. I see. Um, so all I need to do is, uh, I can't remember what the, I think 3M sells the kit. They're just like pre-cut panels and they go into the garage door, um, each of the, rec, you know, the long rectangular panels in the door. It's right. like a roll-up door. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Roll-up okay. doors. So I'm going to try that. Um, I think that like I'll probably end up fabricating, like I, I know those are held in by adhesives, but like there's a lot of complaints that they, they fall out. So, uh. I can't remember who, someone did a video about them recently and they actually made these little clips that kind of help them stay in. I think they 3D printed them, but um, I'll probably just use some sheet metal to make make mine. And then I think the other thing is there's some tape you can put, you know, so those cover like the uh, the flat part and then where the seams are, where the, where the panels kind of roll or flex when they roll up, you can put, there's a insulating tape I think you put over it just kind of keep the, the draft out of there when it's right. more in the winter than the summer. Right. But, uh, yeah. So I'll probably just do that to both doors. I think, you know, like I said, I ran the air conditioner. It was still pretty hot here. I think it was in the early low nineties and I ran it AC like with nothing in there, like just the two cars out of the garage, the door shut middle of the day, basically plugged it in and came back out an hour later and it was at the temperature I wanted it to be at. So, um, I don't think the AC side is going to have any problem. The heat, you know, it's, it's a heater too, but I don't know how well that works. I haven't tested that. So that's probably going to be the bigger challenge, keeping it warm and, you know, above the dew point <laughs> when it gets cold. So I can always put another heater in there too. Now that, especially, um, now that I know I have a spare 110, I might do something different for heat in there. Um, more just to protect the machine than keep me warm. I can always dress warm, but I don't want any condensation in there. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking about yeah. putting insulation on the roof. And uh, maybe doing a little bit of stuff around the walls and, and the garage door itself because it's a rolling or lift garage. Yeah, it's like a rolling cage or whatever. Right. The, so the garage door is is pretty huge. I did that when I was living out of my uh, townhouse in Tom's River, 
and doing that like it's it's like an instant free 10 degrees cooler or warmer depending on which season you're in uh the only thing to keep in mind is if your kit is more than like a couple pounds uh you might want to have like a handyman or a garage door tech come out just to retune the spring because you're changing the equilibrium point of that door okay good to know good point cool yeah that'll that'll get me going yeah so the lighting i definitely like recommend at least for the garage setup the uh, up if i can find the receipt i'll post the a link to the part numbers um i didn't really read any reviews it's just the price was so affordable i didn't really you know it's worth the risk right right yeah but, that's what um, happened to me at costco yeah. yeah i'm pretty happy with them now i i um you can either like screw them directly into the ceiling flush not flush mount but just with no gap between the ceiling and the light panel, or you can hang them from a chain. I put them on the chain that came with them just to kind of, I was thinking they were going to be dimmer than they were. So I was like, I better get them closer to the work area, but they're so bright. I think I'm going to go ahead and mount them up high, like directly against the ceiling. And the, you know, that should give me a little broader light, right? Cause it kind of yeah. spreads. Yeah. You're yeah, spreading so. the, the beam out a little bit. Yeah. I don't think it'll be, it'll still be bright enough with it. It's like about a probably, 14 inches that I think they're hanging there 12 inches something like that that they're hanging down so they'll give me a little more light area coverage hmm. okay yeah. are you getting any smaller lights to like for your work areas or if you're doing like soldering or anything any like just no, station these lights? are no, these are plenty like um you know, I'll have one over the workbench which will kind of take care of that um, or maybe two right? if it's an eight foot workbench I don't I could probably just put one in the middle, but I might just put two so I don't have any like, dim areas. But no, I think it's going to be enough. The only thing I would, like right now, the the light, two of the light, the four the four foot panels are um, motion detection, or I'm sorry, motion activated. Those work really well. And I can set the timer like to stay on for up to like 15 minutes between motion. So I'm not like constantly going off if I'm at the other end of the garage. Um, and then the longer panels uh, pull chain, which I don't really like, but... Um, actually it's works okay. Cause as soon as I go in the garage, the two motion ones come on. So like I can see, <laughs> helps me see the chain <laughs> with the, the other light. So it's easy to, to reach, but, uh, I may figure out some way to like wire that into the, the light switch in the garage, just move it over to the outlet that has the light. So that's one thing, one modification I might make. Hmm. Okay. But, yeah. I'll talk, or, or maybe have the electrician just add a one ten panel next to the light switch. I, mean, I know you can screw it into the socket, but I don't really like that setup. So you have to get an extra outlet. But now it's funny because like when those lights are on and I turn on the existing lights in the garage, it's like you can't even tell they're on. They look so dim. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I used to think that was pretty good lighting, you know, general lighting, not for working. But but uh, yeah, LED makes a huge difference. Yeah, there's like brand. I, I there's a company. I think it's. Uh, I know them as big ass fan, but I think they make. Uh, a subdirectory of lights or something like really nice garage shop lights. I- I'm banking on the the brand right now. I'll I'll find it later. But yeah. like one of those like lights would light up an entire garage like completely. You wouldn't even need oh, yeah. like a secondary light or anything like that. Yeah, if you think like the industrial lights for a shop, you know they're they're mounted much much higher, so they're going to be pretty bright. Right? Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. To, to, yeah, so like, I can't remember. Uh, John Grimson mentioned what he just put into his new shop. I know he's real happy with them, but I'm not sure. I can't remember the brand. Yeah, I'm trying to think too. I, I can't remember what he said, but he said he liked them a lot. Yeah, but I was just looking at like how far up they were. It's like, oh yeah, that, that's got to be. Those would probably blind me if I mounted them <laughs> on my <laughs> even one of. But uh, yeah, it was good. So that was kind of something I was thinking I wasn't going to be real happy with anything I'd find at Home Depot. You know, just the consumer grade stuff, but. Um, but yeah, the steps for a garage, it's perfect. Are you still doing your – the Daytron is a uh, ethanol-based coolant, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Glad you mentioned that. So, yes, it is. So, you're supposed to run denatured ethanol in it, but real high proof, like 200 proof or close to it. Um, and I think, you know, Daytron gave me some recommendations because there's different denaturing agents out there. Um, so, I think I think – Normally, you'd want the one that's denatured with IPA, mm-hmm. a little bit of IPA. 
But uh, yeah, so I've been trying to uh, track down a source for ethanol. You know, I, I went through all the ones, the vendors that Daytron gave me and a few others I, I gathered from talking to some of the other NEO owners and uh, none of those companies will deliver to a residential address, <laughs> even small quantities like a gallon, much less the five gallon quantities I want to buy in or even 55 gallon drums. But um, so I'm still looking for an ethanol source. Um, in the meantime, I bought... I can get IPA, like high 99.5% IPA, um, which I don't know if that's an official like Daytron blessed alternative, but um, I got to check, but I, I had to make sure I have something here when Dan's here commissioning the machine. So right now that'll be here tomorrow from Uline. Right. And do I'll you have a water heater or you have, do you need to worry about um, that? They're, they're up in the attic. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I don't have any, okay. yeah, I don't have any flame source in the garage. Okay. Other than, you know, the cars, right, coming, or when my wife's car coming in and out. But, right. um, yeah. But with the AC unit on there, um, I'll have pretty good air turnover in the garage. So I think Daytron says they want, like, three turnovers per hour. Uh, it's, like, it's pretty low, even in a garage, because, mm-hmm. you know, these things get used indoors, too. So it's really, it puts out a really small amount of ethanol. Yeah, okay. and like worst case, if your AC is not pulling it through, you can always just open the garage door for a minute or two. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you the, start to get lightheaded, like that's probably when you should hit the garage door <laughs> opener. Yeah, I think the concentration inside the machine is much higher than it is out of the you know outside. Um, and they have a built-in fan or a vacuum in there, right? Uh, so I know it vents the ethanol through the top, and I think there's a fan up there. Um, it's interesting because they say you can't. You're not supposed to hook up any kind of extraction system to that. Like if you wanted to vent it outside and you put like a hood or a, not a hood, but like a pipe to mm-hmm. run it outside or a duct. So it's like, a, that's a no, no. So I'm assuming they worry about like explosive buildup in a long tube or something. But, but uh, you know, they want to get it out into the larger volume of air as fast as possible, probably. So it gets uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Brought down to safe levels. So, yeah. So right now that's a bit of a challenge. I'm still working on a uh, solution. So, it may, may just come down to I talk to my, you know somebody that I know that has a business and would be willing to accept delivery a few times a year and I come and get it from them. Yeah, I'm sure um, you can find someone, especially yeah. like a shop or something they'd understand. Or or even a lo- if I could find a local source where they don't have to deliver it, <laughs> that would be <laughs> right. even better, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah no, I mean, none of the companies had problems with my business. It was just... They actually did their research and said, you know, that's a residential address, even though it's your business, you know, you're, everything's fine with your business, but we don't deliver ethanol to residential addresses. It's very controlled compared to like IPA or stuff like that. Right. Um, at, the, at those, at those purity levels anyway, it's a lot of regulatory uh, stuff to deal with, I guess, on their side. Right. I wonder so, what Saunders is going to do when they get their new. They, they were asking that. me. Yeah, they're already asking. Are you getting your? Uh, well, they're going to be fine because they've got a commercial address. You know, he's got oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he's not going to have any problem. Um, yeah, he can probably just go with the one of the suppliers that Atron or recommends. For the yeah, US. it's pretty cool that you know, they're working with Datron on the proven cut thing to get all the feeds and speeds done. I mean, I'm sure you you get a kick out of it too because you get all the. The data um, that they're going to find. Yeah, I'm real excited. They're going, you know, and that they're getting it about the same. I think theirs will be here probably right before mine gets there because they're they're going with the three phase version. So as far as I know, um, yeah, so they don't have any delays. They can. We'll probably be both kind of making our first cuts around the same time. So that's going to be kind of neat. I'll have somebody to, to bounce ideas off, and likewise they will as we kind of get comfortable with the machine. Are they getting the same setup as you with the fourth axis? I don't think they're getting the fourth axis initially. They, you know, who knows down the road they might explore some of the other options. So I'm actually I need to reach out to them and see kind of what work holding they're going with out of the box. If they're going with the, uh, if I had to guess, I'd say for proven cut they're probably going with the T slot table and the the two pneumatic vices. That's a pretty common setup. Or they're just going with the vacuum table and they're gonna. I don't know for proven cut they probably won't need a vice because they're, they're like pushing it. Yeah, they're right? gonna be pushing the limits. Yeah, either that or maybe they just said send it bare and they'll make their own, you know, Saunders does make work holding. <laughs> so maybe there's going to be a, a Neo line or something. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm curious to see. That's actually the part I'm kind of most excited about. It's like, what products will that prompt? 
Yeah, I'm well, just quite curious about works. the reaction to high speed spindle because they they've never worked with that before, right? I remember him mentioning that, and it makes um, sense. Yeah, not that, so. I mean, I, Ed's running at home. You know, he's got his. Uh, oh, that's right. The CNC deep. Yeah, yeah, he's he's getting there. <laughs> I think he made his first cuts on that on his uh, granite table router or granite uh, surface plate router last week. I yeah, I think, I was, that uh, thing looks like a beast. <laughs> it's yeah. like ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know what the RPM on that spindle. I was, I was thinking it was 30K. It may be faster. But, uh, yeah, being, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of cross-pollination of ideas between what he's doing at home and what, he's, what they're going to be doing at work. So right. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So Winston and I are going to be going to MDM West on Thursday, hopefully. So when we get back from that, we'll be able to report. Um, what is MDM? MDM again? Is that a? It is. Uh, it's uh, like a medical, medical devices show? and manufacturing. I looked that up before okay. the show just so that I could answer that. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to go because they're going to be running a mold that I designed by myself, and that mold is going to be running and doing a silicone over mold on a plastic part. And that's going to be the, the, the freebie giveaway. So they'll be giving oh, the cool. parts away as they make it. So I'm, I'm excited to go stand in front of it and take a selfie or something. Because <laughs> it's like, it's the first thing that I that I made a couple months ago. Actually, a long time ago. Nice, five, six months. Um, but it was the first project that they gave me without any like training wheels. It was like, here, you need to do everything from beginning to end. And then I also... Uh, I also uh, revised the design with the simulation software and then also worked with the processing guys when they were doing the, uh, like actually doing the molding, um, like the refinement for the process window. I was a part of that. So this, this project was really good for me as far as experience wise. I got to do the whole thing from beginning to end. Um, and also I got feedback from the process guys, hey, oh, this isn't working. We need to do this, and then I would make the changes, and then I would, you know, work with the machine shop guys and do that. So I'm, I'm excited to see it run, and hopefully it, uh, it doesn't break or anything during the show. So you can give me one. Cool. Yeah, I'll get you one, of course. All right. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, and they're they have the our logos and stuff on the. It's like a little frisbee. I think it's like a dog frisbee. I mean, the reason why we went with that was because you'd be surprised how many frisbee ta- patents there are, and we didn't want to infringe. <laughs> and like, dude, it took me like two weeks to find something that we could do without getting in trouble. Like, I was shocked at how many patents there are that are still active. Um, so that that was our first hurdle, and then dog frisbee seemed to be kind of safe not treading into the waters of stuff that people are still selling so yeah so why why you guys are at the show if you see anything on dry machining of stainless steel let me know dry machining stainless steel okay sure i think it's yeah i think that's um kind of a thing in the medical industry because especially for like the fda class two and three device Mm -hmm. yeah we do that at at work yeah right it's so hard to kind of they, they basically want oil free and coolant free and uh, sulfur free on this. Yeah. yeah. Um, we use Royal oil, which is like a form of 420 and uh, dry machine, all that because of exactly what you said. Can't have anything leaching into the product because it's some medical stuff that's going into someone's body. Do I understand that you, you guys use a special grade of stainless that lets you do the dry machining or? Yeah. I mean, the, the, I, the way that it was explained to me was like, if you, use like a typical stainless and it's like a free machinable stainless there's like sulfur in it and that's that's oh, right. no no so yeah, you need you. to use these special stainless like 420 it's called royal oil and yeah. that specific one is like the one that most people use because it, nothing leaches out of that and it's super okay, safe and never rusts like it's just a really good material for anything medical it's going to go touch a body part or something so that's kind of like the only thing we use for cavities and cores when we have to, when it's like a medical part. Um, yeah. It's more, most, of a, more of a biosafety thing. Right, right, right. So, okay. Good to yeah. Um, nothing too crazy. They say it's pretty easy to machine. Um, nothing, nothing like disgusting, you know, like ink canal or anything like that. It's just, it's like an easy thing to, to do dry. It's, as long as you okay. have the, the machine that's, you know, good enough to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
in the tooling, magic tooling, magic coatings, I'm sure. Right, right. Do you, wait, the, the, I heard that Datron can do metals from Saunders, it, right? Like metals. titanium? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Or you can do all I mean, those. Like, the, right, right, right. The issue is the cooling, right? So you can't use the ethanol or alcohol based coolant with any kind of ferrous metal that can generate a spark. So, right. Can so you, you have two choices. You can either machine it dry if it's a small part and you're, you know, not generating too much heat or you, you switch to an alternate coolant, right? That's, that's I was about to ask, I was like, can you use an alternate coolant? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, like on the Neo, there's only one coolant tank. So it's really, you know, a vessel, right? For the ethanol, you can, uh, swap it out for like a fatty based alcohol that won't burn. Like they, they sell some, you know, steel cutting fluids. You can't okay. just put anything in there, but, um, ideally you would use one of the compatible ones. And, but it's a mess because if you, you know, that's just more oily, right? So if you fill it up and then you want to go back to ethanol to go back to aluminum, it's a big cleanup job to get all that stuff like all the way out of there. <laughs> so uh, at least Is that's my impression. Is it possible to have like two tanks that you can swap out? Yeah. So when I was in um, uh, Daytron in Germany, they on the bigger machines, they had, with the, I really liked the range, but they had basically two two tanks on a roll around cart like the same tank could be on the big on the back of the machine it was the bigger tank for like the the ml cube uh i think it's like twice at least twice as big as the this is the same thing just a little bit higher capacity is what's on the neo um but they had basically wired it up this little like roll around cart like a, you know like um dolly right and that all the plumbing and everything with quick disconnect so and then there was a it looked like there was a like a valve to switch between one of you know switch between which source which tank is is being fed into the machine so that looked pretty cool so that's the possibility the other the other thing is probably just get away with like putting like a third party trico mister or something like that you know mql system that doesn't run through the neo plumbing just kind of wired up separately uh, like you do on say a, a hmm. tormach or something and then run mm-hmm. whatever you want in there as long as it's compatible with the rest of the machine i don't i don't i don't know if, what the issue is as far as like if you ran right i guess water right they didn't really want any water in the cooling fluid so probably okay yeah i was just curious yeah. about that if you yeah if you could do that but okay because it does have exposed ways or exposed linear rails and everything so i think that's why you really wouldn't want like a water-based well i guess the synthetic protects it right so i don't know um I'm not going to be doing enough of it where I'm going to have to spend a lot of time figuring out how to do titanium and stainless on the machine, but I will want to do some occasional. So um, I think, like I said, on the stainless, I know it can be done dry. I just don't know the like the magic to doing that. So I'm doing a little research on that now. I can get you like feeds and speeds and all that stuff. That's no problem. And I can even get you a tooling list of what we use. Yeah, I think like the tooling and the coatings that work for you. And then that particular, maybe that, I'll try out that particular uh, steel alloy you were talking about, stainless alloy. I mean, I can get you samples of it too, and you can mess around mm-hmm. with it. Okay. Yeah. But I've done like 4140 dry on the Shapeoko, and it worked. It's like, I oh, yeah. It, yeah, my tool survived, um, but I didn't do very much. So I, you know, I think the main trade off would be tool life, right? It's not going to mm-hmm. last very long doing it dry. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I mean, I'll mostly be doing aluminum. And Doran. Right, right. Yeah, first, but I'm yeah, just curious. Yeah. I mean, yeah, eventually yeah. I'll get around to like I wanna, doing something. I want to see it do yeah, some of the other things. So I'm just, I was just yeah. curious. Yeah, Dan showed me some parts. They ran um, some sample parts. They were like really small. And he did them, I think he did like op one on vacuum and then he made a fixture for op two. But uh, I can't remember if they were 4140. I can't remember, but they were, you know, he said they, were, they could been just easily run on the Neo. So it's definitely capable of doing it. It's just the, like I said, the cooling, you know, it's optimized for the cooling system is optimized for aluminum and non-ferrous, but right. the machine right. itself doesn't really care. Yeah. Just, you yeah. don't want to do like big hogging cuts. <laughs> right. Titanium. Right. Yeah. But so I mean, not, yeah, like you said, I, I think it's going to do fine. Like dry. I don't think you need to run any cooling. Oh, yeah. um, should be good. For the kind of parts I have in mind, I think it'll be fine. So Winston and I should be trying to book our tickets for March. March yeah, or like early April, like just yeah, give late us the March, word. early April. I uh, just want to make sure. So you guys, you're going Thursday to, to the current yeah. plan, yeah. 
Yeah. And today's the 11th of February. Yeah. For this, yeah. So this will probably be out. This Hopefully this will be out before <laughs> Thursday. But, uh, so if there are uh, any LA-based listeners who happen to listen to this on Wednesday <laughs> and want to meet us there, this is your invite. <laughs> have you been, what have you been doing, Winston? We've been talking a lot. What have you been up to? Uh, I've just been catching up. Um, like after dislocating my shoulder in January, uh, my project schedule kind of got shifted. Uh, so yeah, I, I have a ton of projects, like just... I got footage, I need to make a video, I need to like record the dialogue, so it's just a huge like laundry list of like basically editing chores that I have to do. Uh, and it's kind of been a little demoralizing like because my hard drive is already packed and I don't want to record any new footage, so I have to get rid of the old footage first and that means I have to sit down and just do like Final Cut stuff, do uh, dialogue recording. Um, so not a ton of fun stuff, but um, I am still working on like the LED light project. I'm working on an epoxy project that I want to release hopefully this week. Um, it's some some resin and maple trays that I touched on, I think, last week. Uh, oh, but right, I want to yeah. get that out because um, the people who provided the epoxy total boat, uh, they're going to be at WorkbenchCon, so I kind of want to like get this project out there just to um, sort of like as a thank you and like so I can rub elbows with them and maybe get more epoxy at WorkbenchCon. <laughs> when is WorkbenchCon? It is, uh, I think, the 19th through the 21st. It's a Thursday through Saturday deal. Uh, okay. So I'll be flying out, uh, I think, on the 18th. I, I should know this because I did book a plane ticket. Uh, no, I'm flying out on the 19th. WorkbenchCon is the 20th through the 22nd. Okay. I I just bought like some Milwaukee power tools, like an impact drill and a uh, driver. I want to make sure, I mean, Milwaukee is a good brand, right? I, I haven't heard anything bad about them, but of before the I begin my mainstream companies, they're the closest to like contractor grade. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my port of band saws Milwaukee. I love it. I think no problems with it at all. Cause I'm about to dive pretty deep into tooling and stuff or tools. And I want to make sure I pick the right ecosystem to stick with for, for regular tools, like, DeWalt and Milwaukee are up there. I think Milwaukee is slightly ahead. Uh, Ryobi is the, uh, the, the quote-unquote DIYer grade, um, so on the cheaper end. And then Makita's somewhere in between. Uh, Bosch is in there. Cobalt's eh, middling. Um, Rigid's in there. But there, there's just so many different things about each tool brand that you kind of don't realize until you're like face-to-face with all the brands. Um, but if you go Milwaukee and you can afford it, it's a pretty pretty solid choice. I, yeah, I like I, I like their diverse range of like power tools and options that you can get. But I, I haven't really delved into how deep the other companies have it, like the same products, or they all kind of have a little bit a different of the things that you core can use tools for. are basically all the same. You're gonna have a drill, a driver, a circular saw, um, like a Orbital sanders, um, some of them, like Ryobi, they sort of, I, I really don't want to buy any more of their tools, but they have things like uh, cordless hot glue guns and like uh, rotary tools that are just like really useful. Like I kind of want, um, there's a digital tire inflator with a gauge that I kind of want to buy just to keep around in the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, so like little things like that kind of add to the ecosystem, but um, you kind of have to buy things based on the like your bread and butter tools so like the drill driver have to be like really solid um and the the nicer tools like just the ergonomics are better like the the handle on my uh, dewalt drill is just so much more of a pleasure to hold it's a little thinner um so like try these tools out and like really use them and these little glaring defects or quirks about them will start to stand out and uh you're you're never going to regret springing for the higher quality stuff, right? Yeah, yeah that's kind of the reason why I, because I've used like the twelve volt Milwaukee Impact and and stuff before, and I really like how light they were, especially if you're doing small stuff and you got like repetitive actions. Uh, but I ended up going with the eighteen because I know uh, I've heard your stories of wishing that you went more power, so I just went straight to eighteen volt for now. 
those tools are getting better and better. So like they're always getting lighter or the battery life is improving. So, I mean, also like when you buy into an ecosystem, you got to expect like, hey, they're probably going to use this battery for at least another couple years. So like if you amass a bunch of Milwaukee batteries, when they come out with a better version of a drill, you can always jump into that. Mm -hmm. So wait, if, if you named all those brands and those are just like the good brands, what, what's the top tier brand? Is it just Snap-on? Uh, I don't know if they're in the, like, the power tool business. I mean, I know if you want, like, wrench sets and sockets and really I mean, they sell expensive them. overpriced stuff. They're really can... expensive, but they sell them. But, I mean, th- is that it? There's no, like, in between that and Milwaukee? Milwaukee is, like, the most common one you'll see at, at a job site. That, DeWalt, yeah. sometimes Makita. Okay. Um, but for, Gosh. like, specifically woodworking tools, you also have, like, Festool. Festool, so. yeah. Yeah. I think in Germany, isn't Bosch? Bosch is one of the good brands, isn't it? For the yeah, they also um, get contracted to do a lot of stuff um, because I think they make some like they have uh, carbide production capacity. So one of the uh, drill bits that I've seen, like uh, the people behind it, the the lab that made it was Bosch. They came up with the metallurgy. Uh, they sintered the carbide drill heads and all that stuff. So there's a lot of R and D behind that company yeah i always thought bosch was like not a good brand uh, they're they're german i think they're pretty good <laughs> that's weird okay they're not I bad. I think they're, that's a german company right i've Off seen bosch. them like in discount stores that's why i felt like it wasn't yeah. okay well, maybe i'm assuming yeah maybe, maybe it's a different bosch i always thought it was like the same bosch that does like automotive and industrial right. stuff but okay well, I mean, they, they do have a whole bunch of different divisions like yeah. The the division that makes drill bits is different from the one that makes like the power tools. Okay. So how about Winston, you uh, all this talk of new machines got you uh, thinking anything? Uh, <laughs> got you uh, betraying <laughs> core values? <laughs> yeah. So I hate to say it, but at this very moment, there is a 3D printer in my Amazon shopping cart. And by the end of this week, I will probably have pulled the trigger to uh, hit that purchase button. Um, so it goes back to that LED light project. I want to make a bezel. The problem with the bezel is that if you take the box volume of this bezel, even if I make it in separate pieces, like 75% of it is going to be empty space. It's going to be air. And there's yeah. no efficient way to subtractively make this piece. I thought about buying like um, like uh, expanded PVC, like the trim board, or like just the cheapest plastic I could find. The only way I could make a bezel for like under like five or ten bucks is if I do like out of pine or MDF. And to paint that, like it's just not going to look good on a part that's predominantly aluminum. Um, and so if I go with the black uh, PLA, you'll see the lines, but like it'll fit a lot better than than trying to put like some other material that just it's not a good use of it. You're going to be wasting so much of it um, that just making it subtractively doesn't make sense. So in this case, in an application where if you were to subtractively manufacture it, you'd be wasting more than half of it. I, I got to admit that I think 3d printing has a place for a task like this. And so, yeah. uh, and once you get, it, I think you'll find there's so many uses for it around the shop. Like, even if you're not making parts, there's things you can make to support all the stuff you're doing on CNC. It's like, yeah, I love having one around the shop. I've kind of adopted the persona of hating 3D printing. (laughs) And most of it is just down to the fact that by forcing myself to think through projects in a subtractive way, uh, it's actually been sort of a a creative uh, challenge. And uh, I'm partly afraid that I'm going to lose that. Um, but at the same time, there's just a lot of little things around the shop that would be, uh, that'd probably benefit from having a 3d printer. Yep. It's funny. Cause like my 3d printer, I mean, when I first got it, it was, I kind of felt like the same way I do with my CNC machines, like how I feel today with them. Like I still, I, I love running stuff on CNC. It's just, you know, that's the thing I'm into, right? It's fun. Um, I used to feel that way about the 3D printer. Now it's completely a utilitarian <laughs> device. Like I, I get no excitement or joy out of it other than the satisfaction that what I printed came out. And it usually does like 
you know, they're, they're damn reliable. Um, you usually get what you want out of them. Assuming it, you know, you get your first layer to stick, you're usually going to get what you uh, expect out of them. So it's almost become, you know, just like a toaster. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> I put it in, I press the button, I expect it to work and it does. And I don't even think about it. So, which is actually, you know, in the end, that's a compliment for a technology. I would say they've come a yeah, long I guess way. If you put it that way, if like, there are plenty of things where I, I would think to myself, why do I want to make this? It's just easier if I just go out and buy this thing. If I'm going to buy it, maybe making it yourself on a printer is just a, a half step better than that. So uh, yeah, I can you accept get the immediacy, that argument. And a lot of times you can make something better. Like I use it a lot, probably about half the time or half the things I print on there fixing or changing stuff that, I don't like the way it came from the factory, like something in the house, right? Something broke or something just like it bugs me about like the geometry or the ergonomics of it. I'll, you know, basically model up something in fusion, print it and usually be happier with that than what it's replacing. So, um, the only thing I would say, I don't know how warm these lights get or if this plastic, if the PLA is going to be in contact with any of like the heat sinks, just be careful. It's, it melts. It's got low melting That's point. True. It, it is gets soft. thermoplastic. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, really like almost it, it, like even just taking it outdoors, like it gets soft on me. So, um, yeah, just keep that in mind. There's lots of other plastics you can print now that they're a little bit more heat tolerant, but they're That's a little true. more complicated and to print. Yeah. It'll be in my garage. The, uh, the fumes won't be nearly as bad. Yeah. Are you getting a, right. something with a heated bed? Most likely. Uh, I'm looking yeah. at a, Ender 5 Plus right now. Okay. Wait, you're not getting a Mark Forged? <laughs> Do I want to <laughs> drop a couple grand on a machine just to print extra you're, strong parts? You're printing plastic? <laughs> uh, so the, the Ender Crowley 3 is like the hottest one right now, I think. That's like the one they, everyone... They're kind of like the DJI of the uh, 3D printing world. Like, just cheap, works remarkably well. Um, so printable upgrades yeah so i think i'm just going to jump on that bandwagon i, I thought about a prusa but for closer to like eight to a thousand eight hundred to a thousand bucks I, for a technology that i'm, I'm lukewarm about i would rather <laughs> yeah. probably just save my money <laughs> right yeah. let that be and your second machine <laughs> if, you, if it works out the resin one is the eloku mars it's like uh, 250 bucks and it prints oh, oh ridiculously nice one. yeah do you have that but it I don't have that one, but from what I've seen, like, uh, you know, Joel on his 3D printing there, like, dude, it prints crazy good for 250 bucks comparable to like, uh, the form labs, like resin printer. Wow. Like it's, it's pretty amazing. Like for that amount of money, you know, you could buy that and you could buy your ender and you'd still be a little bit, just over half of the price of a Prusa. The, um, my problem with the resin stuff is just, it's, it's messy and it's annoying and there's post-processing. Like you got to pull that out of the tank with gloves and dip it in a vat <laughs> of uh, isopropyl alcohol. It's yep. just, it's, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. If you need a part with super smooth lines, it's the way to go. But for quick and dirty stuff, um, I, as much as I hate FDM, like that is the easiest and most convenient option. Yeah, I think from process reliability, you'll be much happier with FDM as your first kind of your your first printer, <laughs> baby's first printer. I must say, I I definitely <laughs> want to get a resin printer. Um, I just like like you, I can't pay the form labs price. That's so expensive, you know. And I'd rather if I could pay a fraction of that and still get the quality I need for prototyping stuff or just getting like ideas into my hand. I think I'd rather just go that route, kind of go the cheaper route, just get, cause I don't need it to be functional. I just need to know like, Hey, this, yeah, this feels good. This looks good. This will work with that. Like you're, you're looking for things like dimensional accuracy, not right. necessarily like, Oh, like form labs, their marketing is pretty good. Like the, like, I don't know if you've seen their ads on Instagram, but they're like showcasing all these like different materials and things you can oh, yeah. do with it. And it's like, it's really cool, but I don't think for what we're doing, it, makes sense right i just need like an idea like support like okay yeah this will work or no that won't work and i don't want to pay like five grand for that because i'd rather spend that five grand in, in a real cnc machine but if you tell me like for 250 bucks i could have that 
like machine that can prove out my work, like that's perfect. That's like nothing, you know, same with the Ender 3, like for a couple hundred bucks, you can have everything that you need for that stuff. So um, definitely we'll have a table uh, dedicated to the resin printing and 3D printing soon. Yeah. One, one cool thing I did see about the form labs and probably applies to any SLAs, you can actually make functional molds right off the machine for, I think they were doing silicon molding with those. I guess the surface finish is pretty, you know, good enough. Yeah, but like the pour modes, the the pouring molds and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's some sort of cold process. I think I don't think I think it was. It's just I saw like one of their ads, but it looked like I think it was silicone they were pouring. But they were, I mean, they've always supported the burnout resin where you could make like a cast metal casting mold through a, mm-hmm. like a lost wax process, but, um, right, right, right. Yeah. But this is more like, you no, know, you print the mold on the machine, not the positive and just go right, you know, the two halves and go right into your molding, whatever your mold presses and, you know, small parts, right? Like probably prototyping, but it's kind of neat. Yeah. You, yeah. you wouldn't want to do that with FDM. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Unless you really want that look. I, I think f- like for me, I would drop money on a Mark Forge if it ever got to the point where I could 3D print something plus 10 thousands on the wall and then put it into my CNC and just do a finishing pass on the whole thing. I think if the technology got to that point okay. and it was still functionally or structurally like sound and everything, that would be a big win for me. I just, you know, don't, like, see, oh, that's, I just don't see like machining FDM like Parts coming no, out not the FDM, FDM process. like a Mark Forge. Like Mark Forge is, oh, you mean the metal the, one? The, the metal the, carbon yeah, fiber the, or the center? Okay. No, the centering one. The centering oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, metal. Yeah. You almost have to like, machine that. <laughs> like, as soon as that technology can can get up to there, then you can get real crazy with the internal, like, features and stuff. That's yeah. when I would want to do that. But otherwise, I, I don't, I'm like you guys, I'm not too into the whole FDM printing with the PLA yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm all for, like, a, a desktop class uh direct laser metal centering or, you know, metal producing printer. That's a whole different ball game. I'd love to have yeah. something like that. Yep. <laughs> um, I, it's not there yet. Affordable. I think maybe, but I think in our lifetime it will be there, you know, we'll yeah. definitely see that. So I'm yeah, excited I mean, for that. The process Mark Forge is doing, they're basically doing FDM, right? So they're, they're doing, or I don't know if it's FDM, but they're doing a binder metal embedded in a binder. And so there's no heat or no, there's no laser involved as far as I know. Well, maybe there is. I don't know. I'm assuming they're just basically pouring or laying down the filament. Yeah. It's like, it's like powder. Oh, oh is it? Well, uh, actually it depends. I, I know one of the machines is like a centering powder thing, but I, I don't know if they're more expensive ones, like the industrial ones, if it's something different, but um, yeah. Yeah. But either way, like they're, they're definitely pioneering this whole thing. And I think in the next five, 10 years, um, I would probably say like, it's probably when it'll be like kind of worth using, they'll come up yeah. with something that's like good, you know? So yeah. One where you don't necessarily need like a big vacuum chamber and, or inert gas or something like that. But right. If it, if it ever becomes like consumer grade, I don't know. Yeah. And then, uh, there'll be all these used CNC milling machines out there cheap because everyone's going to additive and we'll be able to score all the <laughs> used industrial <laughs> machines. We want. <laughs> couldn't give them away. <laughs> Yeah, probably not in our lifetime, at least not mine. Nah, so, you'll, you'll, you'll be around for that. So, Winston, are you going to set that up at, uh, at home? Yeah. I mean, okay. we have CNC, or we have 3D printers at Carbide 3D. The problem is they're, they're always printing, and I feel bad uh, like taking them offline to do my own stuff. Yeah. And so just it got to a point where it's like, I have little things that would benefit from just knocking them out on a 3D printer. So I'm just gonna bite the bullet and get myself one and stick it in the garage. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's good. You'll learn it pretty quickly, and then you'll kind of having it, you know, be your own. You'll kind of learn its quirks, right? And, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, very quickly. Get the good, the printers at Carbide 3D have kind of scared me because we had two of them go offline for like a week or two just because like the the bed went out of alignment and like we had to we have a customer support guy who's like. Uh, really good with 3d printers we brought him in and like he had to like spend all day tuning them up and so that's like a little horror story that i'm trying to avoid so yeah uh, i know the pitfalls of 3d printing i'm gonna get one with auto bed leveling um but i just i i want this thing to be like an appliance just give it a file 
give me a part, no drama, and uh, I can move on with my life. There's going to be a little drama. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a a little bit. I I, I don't trust that these machines come out the box ready to go, and that's why you'd buy Prusa. Like, if you want turnkey, you should get a Prusa. But I feel like these cheapy ones, there's going to be something, you know. Their QC is not completely up to par, so. But you're up for the task. You probably... (laughs) uh, you probably have like six months worth of CNC projects now doing upgrades for your printer. <laughs> right. <laughs> True. <laughs> I, project ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, I might use the um, CNC to cut out uh, panels because I'm going to want to enclose this thing uh, because it is kind of dusty in my garage, um, especially with like the secondary processes I do, like uh, like sanding the parts that come off the CNC or like a little bit of grinding here and there, sawing. So it will have to be enclosed. I, I will uh, throw some uh, plexiglass in my McMaster shopping cart. Just a matter of figuring out how to, how to put it together. Do I make some brackets on the CNC or do I make them on the 3D printer? CNC, yeah. always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm debating whether to send you a new uh, team subtractive shirt with an asterisk at the end of it. So. <laughs> or scratched out. <laughs> Traitor. <laughs> just kidding it's always fun to buy new toys whatever those toys are it's all right i can laugh at you because you're going to be spending a boatload of money on your garage (laughs) it'll be worth every penny though hopefully hey chris you weren't you weren't on the show with sammy um so winston was talking about uh maker summer school tell us more about that or did you find out so uh the the full announcements are forthcoming uh, but basically, it is a hands-on, hard skills-based um, weekend program that is being run in Ohio. And uh, as of the time that we were uh, discussing with Sammy about this, uh, they were taking applications for instructors for all sorts of things, from blacksmithing to woodworking uh, to like how to run a business. And one of the areas they were looking for expertise was with uh, CAD CAM stuff. And so me being the kind of person who laments the fact that uh, digital fabrication is underrepresented in the the maker world and a lot of like the mainstream makers sort of shy away from showing the the technical side of things, I I threw my name into the hat and um, they have tentatively agreed to uh, host a uh, Fusion 360 cam uh, crash course at the Maker Summer School, uh, which will be in June. And... uh, so yeah, I got to come up with a curriculum and a pitch, and uh, but there's a good chance I'll be there as an instructor. So um, yeah, if you're going to be in the area, let me know. Very cool. So how does cool. that work? Like for that whole weekend, they're covering that particular subject, or is it? They're going to have a bunch of different courses, um, just of different topics. They'll have a schedule, and so it's basically sign up for what you want to do. And I believe there are also going to be like certain tracks, like for blacksmithing at least that's how they did it last year where like you could have like a lot of hands-on time in an area set up to do that um and so like the the classroom stuff would be in addition to everything else that's going on but that's all uh subject to details that i will find out within the next couple weeks yeah well i I was just kind of curious what the experience from a student's point of view is this like is it one weekend out of the year they come and do all the stuff or is it repeated like is it like and a it's whole a, a one-time thing this year? Okay, uh, they're they're calling it a maker summer school just to to go with the uh, educational vibe, uh, but yeah. it is going to be just a, a mishmash of all sorts of different disciplines all at once that you can immerse yourself in. Oh, very cool. That's pretty cool. I I might try to make it to that. Yeah, it's it's probably going to be a little pricier, uh, just because it's like a sort of pseudo professional development. Uh, event but um if last year was anything to go by the caliber of talent that they bring in and the the breadth of skills that you can just go around trying is going to be worth a lot who who was the uh sponsor for this if you can say uh it's it was spun off of a lincoln electric event i don't know oh, okay uh who well uh so there's there's a guy craig coffee who's behind it but i don't know if there's any like corporate backing behind that but there are like other like company sponsors of this event yeah i was just trying to figure out if it was like linked to maker fair or if it sounds separate no from it's that, that group it okay. used to be lincoln electric but 
they've spun it off into its own thing. Okay. I mean, Very if cool. if anything, I'd I'd have to go because otherwise, who's going to heckle you while you're trying to teach? <laughs> <laughs> I have to show my support from the crowd. This is reach out to uh, Caroline, see if she wants to teach the welding class. That would have been a great idea. <laughs> or hook them up. So this is in June. Hopefully, it doesn't coincide with. Uh, if that happens to coincide with like a Saunders class, like the following week, uh, that might be a worthwhile reason to to come out, Chris. Oh, that's true. The five axis. Like, yeah. what you guys I've been, think I've about been a five axis? Yeah, we're actually. Yeah. yeah, we're looking at the June one. So, I think it's June. He just had one. I think, in, or he has one in February. I think the next one's in June. Yeah, the February one is like I was actually looking at it. It's like twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, which, um, that's not going to work for me because of the neo. But um, so I think we got one more episode before the neo gets here. So forty episode probably forty DFX forty four should be post neo install. I hope. <laughs> nice. Or it's going to be in the middle of a, a bunch of neo drama about you, like oh this part was missing and <laughs> they dropped my machine. Those rigors. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Well, fingers crossed for you. It's it's going to be a fun journey for you. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. It seems wait. like it's been a long wait, but uh, very well, cool. It has, I saw. <laughs> it has been a long wait. Yeah, well, I didn't mention. Yeah. So they got the. Um, I guess they're talking about publicly now the single phase is in they've been testing it here in the u.s uh last couple of weeks and uh it's working out really well so i'll wait till i actually get the machine to show you how they basically with the well, i never showed the like the prototype version that i saw last year um so basically once germany got their hands on it daytron ag of course they made it much more compact very happy with it like uh kind of where they installed it and where it ends up uh Basically, the form factor. So, so I'll, I'll have pictures of it once uh, once the machine gets here. All right. Well, I'll say good night, guys, and uh, enjoy the conversation as usual. Yeah. Same here. Have a good one, guys. Have a good one. Catch you guys later. <laughs>